A lesson for today from Hebrews chapter 2. These are the words that will serve as the basis for the sermon this morning and describe for us the, the purpose and benefit of God's becoming flesh. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, this is Psalm 22, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly, I will sing your praises. And again, from Isaiah 8, I will put my trust in him. And again he says, here am I and the children God has given me. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. The word of the Lord. Dear friends in Christ, if you were to meet an alien, which is the great way to start any good sermon, if you were to meet an alien, introduce them to human life, somebody who only could kind of take in the environment one one stroke at a time, one street at a time, one life event at a time, if you were to try to encapsulate and summarize, would you be like, uh, let's turn left and not look at the cemetery because that's too sad for you to know about. Let's bypass all the weak and lowly things of the world and I'm going to show you uh, the grand and glory. I'm going to take you downtown to see the skyscrapers that we have built as what it is to be human. Uh, I'm going to take you to graduations and weddings because they can't get sick so you can bring them along. Uh, what did you do? Avoid the hospital, avoid the weakness, avoid the shame, avoid the crying places and get to the celebratory ones. This is what we do as humans. This is human life. I mean, if you're going to embrace all of it and tell them what it, what is it like to be human, we create a shared space here uh, as people, but the delight that I have of God and that's the delight that you have too. Eventually, at some point, I would hope that as believers, you wouldn't just have to talk about a human existence with an alien and just what it looks like on the surface, but you'd get to share with them things that were true related to your faith. One of the pressures 
that is out there, and I put it in quotation marks because I don't think it's a real pressure. It's just a made-up one the devil likes to use on pastors. Is that a pastor is supposed to have a sermon that's relevant to your life. That, it, that the words that we say, you know, have to be real and practical, which, which is true. But to flip the script just a little bit this morning, can I tell you this? That the, the most relevant thing I could share with you is that most of our thoughts are irrelevant. Most of the things we get hung up on, most of the things we're concerned about, most of the fears that we have are irrelevant. It'd be like sharing with the alien what happens in a human life in 80 years. Have you really expressed the relevance? We haven't even taken a look at it yet. If all you do is share with the alien your relevant stuff, what it is to be common and to meet me where I am and to express that, you'd miss the whole boat. You'd miss all of the best things, all of the good things. The joy we have is Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us. You're going to meet your relevant today. We get to bring all the relevant things of God into our world. This is the majesty. This is the mystery. It's the miracle of Christmas that is. And I don't want you wasting time on fears that are based on the story of your life without God. Think about the things you read about, whether or not you're special in this world and play a unique role in someone's else. You're worried if you matter to somebody else or matter to anything. You're worried about the significance of your job and the roles that you have in the family. You're concerned about death. You don't want to die. It's something you haven't experienced before, and it sounds awful. It's just this end, this ugly end to a life. You're concerned about all these other things, holding, holding things together, being successful, being happy, and trying to hold on to it. It's like sand that falls through your fingers. It's happy. This is what it's like to be human, isn't it? There's always so much stuff that can go wrong, and then it just happens, and it's almost comical the way the errors can pile up in a single day, and then we have a story to tell somebody, don't we? Our normalcy gets interrupted all the time. You have all these things to be concerned, all these things to be afraid of. In 2021, is a whole other year that you don't know. All of those thoughts are irrelevant when they stay concentrated just on me. What I know, what I can do. They're all based on your weakness that you don't know everything, you don't control everything, you don't have the power, you don't have the say, you don't have the purpose, all laid out. Experience that, do you? But your loss and your grief, your anxiety and your fear, it's all just a giant irrelevant reflection of your own inabilities or sin. Enter God's relevance. We're God who took on flesh 
is the great relevant in your life. This is what the Hebrew writer has been saying. Jesus isn't afraid to call you brother and sister, and he wants to make sure you understand what that means. How intrinsically involved, how impossible it is to talk about human life without this human life, without the baby Jesus human life, without God in the thick and heart of the story. Then it all becomes relevant then it distractions or fun or whatever we're doing with our spare time, we are only becoming more and more numb to the reality of human life under God than we are getting in touch with the reality of your life under God. Scripture stories being lost in your devotional life or live if we picked up the book, right? This is where Christmas speaks. This is where Hebrews has a say and actually tells a story and a plan and a purpose. From the very first phrase, uh, verse 10 started with, in bringing many sons and daughters to glory. The assumption is, bring the alien along. Let's tell him, we don't have glory here. Um, you alien, how long do you get to live? 700 years? That's incredible because we only get 70 or 80. We don't have a whole lot of glory here. In fact, if we're honest about it, we don't have glory, period. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, who is the one who does things, <laughs> was the only one who for, through whom all things exist and because of him. This is what the Hebrew writer said. I've got to say this about God. Sons and daughters to glory. It's fitting for him, if he's going to do this the right way, to make the pioneer of your salvation, you're bringing you out of the gloom and doom, the anxious and the fearful and the death world into salvation's realm of glory that he'd make the pioneer reach his goal through suffering. It's fitting that Jesus would come and to reach his goal of taking you out, that he'd come and touch every dark, that he'd come and hurt and weakness and bring it to a place where it's saved and get it to where it's glorified. So it's fitting. This is where the Hebrew writer says, don't be embarrassed of the God you have. It's fitting that he would come and grab all your lonely moments, your dark moments, your weak moments, your dead moments, your fearful moments, and take them in Christ. And he would reach his goal as your savior by living it for you. Suffering. Don't think that death and Jesus should never have anything in common. He has brothered our human race. He has taken your death as his, your pain as his, your groans, your sighs, all as his own. It's fitting. If God were to do something for humans, that this is what you get it for Christmas. A flesh and blood Savior. And so, wonder of wonders, the one who makes holy 
your real great need so relevant in your life. And the, those who are made holy, they're in the same family. They share the same stuff. Co-heirs with Christ. The one who makes holy and those who are made holy, we're putting them together. That holiness could be something shared between them. So Jesus is not ashamed to call you, the Hebrew writer says, brothers and sisters. And here are the scriptures. We're even from the Old Testament. This was his plan to be in the midst of the congregation, to sing God's praises in the assembly, to be in a position where he put trust. <laughs> he was God. He didn't have to, but he did on our behalf. He came blending in, sharing all the things of God with us in, in taking you to glory. This is the position that he took. This is what it means for him to be savior. So the Hebrew writer celebrates God in the thick as your great relevant, as the, as the purpose, as the one where any, anything that makes you blush in front of the alien, you can come back and say, but you know what? God says something about that and God did something about that. God is present there and God is present here too and God conquered this and he delivered me from that. God has restored it. God has glorified it in Christ. God has saved me from it. So the Hebrew writer goes on and says, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those, listen to this, free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Would you say it like that? Would you, would you rest on a hillside with the alien and say, you know what's really bugging Like If you get down to the deepest part, there's a pricker in there. There's a thorn in there. They are scared of death. What you see them doing is attempting to live it up before it's gone. What you see them doing is finding this temporary thing and making it whatever nice, happy home they can while they can because they know they're going to leave it naked. They came into this world and they know they've seen it. They've seen it over and over again. They've seen it at surprise times and they've seen it at expected times that naked they will also depart and leave it all behind. That's what's really bugging these people. All their lives held in slavery by their fear of death. And there was one death. He shared their humanity one death and one purpose. So death wouldn't just be like this inevitable destination. But death in Christ, in the life of Christ, is a tool. Did you hear that phrase? He shared their humanity so that by his death, by his death, through it, with this death, accomplishing something, that by his death, he would destroy him who holds the power of death. That's the devil. And we should probably explain that too, because how does the devil have the power of death? It's God who, right, says, I'm, I'm the one who gives life and I take it away. That sounds like the power's in God's hands. 
but the devil is like that evil witch with a poisoned apple. And you could say that that poisonous apple is powerful to kill, right? It has the power of death. So the devil, in a sense, holds on to something that causes death, that deserves death, that brings death. And he, like that lion looking for someone to devour, the de devil is trying to separate you from God. That's really sin's ultimate death and dying and reality is being separated from God for eternity. So he works these poisoned apples into your hearts and lives. Did you forget your story that you are worried with the world and you're afraid with the world and you tell the alien the same story of human life that the world says you're all caught up into its poisonous death trap and that's what the power of death that the devil has to lead you to sin and unbelief so he can separate you from God forever. But there is a death that destroys the power of your sin. There is a death that has a better word, a greater word to conquer the devil's word about you, to undo the curse and to cure. And that was Jesus. His death destroyed him who has the power of death. Jesus can be a real living priest. I, are we like blending all these pictures into one? This is just the way the Hebrew writer loves to speak, is to weave before, especially a Jewish audience's eyes, all the things that they enjoyed and thought were lovely about Old Testament worship and what made them a people when really their humanity was made relevant by this God who died on a cross. And the Hebrew writer comes to take priest, sacrifice, say the best and the full meaning and the relevant of your life is there in Jesus who died. That he might be a merciful priest expressing God's mercy to you and faithful in his service to God. Perfect go-between. A perfect mediator. And help you. You who are tempted. He suffered when he was tempted. He has things to share with you because he plays this role. Merciful to you sharing gifts with you, empowering you, and all faithful to the will of God in bringing you to glory. You're going to have a 2021 that hurts. Spoiler alert. You're going to have a 2021 that isn't rosy and just perfect and everything going according to... But... Don't get hung up on what's irrelevant with that. Remember, Jesus came to be relevant there. That in your disappointment, you could pray to him for peace that surpasses understanding. That in your pain, you could know that you are strong by the one who gives you strength. You're going to have a 2021 where you're still tempted by the same sinful bugger temptations you've had before. You're still going to wrestle with self-control and not being the person that you want to be to God. You're going to wrestle with this word holiness that you never seem to have a share in. Jesus came to be your relevant.
and to enter that space as the one you look to and call on to learn his name and his love in the hour of temptation and remember who you are, brother and sister in Christ. This year may be your last year on this earth for any one of us. It may be it. You might die. Jesus came to be irrelevant. To bring many sons and daughters. Come, come one, come all. To glory. That's not just for today. That's for your year. Hold on to the Jesus who suffered. To the Jesus who was tempted and to the Jesus who died as the only relevant thought you think this year. Amen.